0: How y'all doing? Look great tonight. All of you are so tan. You're so tan. Everyone's tan. I'm not. Anybody been to the beach already this summer? Good. I hate you. I'm just kidding. I will get my turn in a few weeks going to the beach. It's going to be a good time. Well, I know Tori's already done it, but I just want to welcome you, if it's, uh, especially if it's your first time or second time or third time or whatever, if it's just kind of fresh to you, if this is a fresh group to you, a fresh community. Hey, thanks for coming. I'm so glad you came. There's a lot of good churches in the area, a lot of good things going on in the area, a lot of places that you could be on Thursday night. And I just hope that you feel welcome here. You come anytime you want, drop in, say hello, come every week whatever you want to do, but we're glad you're here and uh, hope that you feel at home here in the house tonight. It's kind of weird when people refer to the church as the house, but I think I'm going to start. I like it. Hey, um, I do, I just wanted to tell you before we get into it tonight, I just wanted to uh, tell you how much I love you. <laughs> Can we get sappy real quick? Is that okay? I just want to tell you how much I love you and uh, how much I enjoy just being a part of this. And uh, every week, sometimes I sometimes I'm like, man, should we really do this every single week? Are people getting tired of this? And I'm like, you know what? I'm not getting tired of it. So let's keep doing it every single week. And uh, I just love gathering with you guys. I love um, I love your passion, your intensity to chase God. I love your uh, I love that you make this a place where everyone is welcome that uh, you don't have to be perfect. In fact, you don't even have to believe what we believe. You're still welcome here, and we're glad you're here. And you guys make it that kind of place. And I just, uh, it's very unique, and I don't think that it's everywhere. I think it's a unique environment. And so I'm going to soak up every Thursday that I get to here with you guys. Is that okay? Cool. Uh, We've been talking for the past uh, few weeks now. I've been talking about this idea of a God drink. What is a God dream? Uh, what do you do when you get a God dream? And just the idea of, of, of a God dream. I think it's been an interesting conversation we've had the past few weeks, and we're going to wrap it up next week. But uh, if you remember, we've said that a God dream really comes in two forms. The first form is like as soon as you become a follower of Jesus, as soon as you give your life to Jesus, essentially you're saying, God, I want to live your dream for, for my life. Like I'm embracing your dream for me. So really you're living, you're in the process of living a God dream. I think that's pretty cool that I I am living God's dream for my life. That's really cool. And so we've said it it takes that form, but it also takes this kind of unique, this little more specific form to each and every one of us that I believe that God gives each and every single one of us a specific dream and sometimes it's like a dream for you know this week i just felt like god gave me a dream for this week or, or today, I feel like God wants me to go talk to this person or, or pay for this person's meal or whatever it is. Sometimes he gives you a dream for the year, like this is my goal for this year. This is my dream for this year. Maybe a dream to graduate college, so it's a dream for a, a season of life. Somebody's excited about that, right? Uh, a dream to get a job in a specific field or something. He gives you some sort of dream. I don't know what your dream is. But he gives you a dream. Therefore, it's a God dream. And so we started talking last week about how even though you have a God dream doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. Like, I think it's a lie when we embrace or we believe this idea that, well, I have a God dream. Therefore, it must come to pass. Therefore, it's just going to be an easy road to get to it. But that's not the case at all. In fact, last week we said that uh, in order for your God dream to be trusted, it must first be tested. And so you're going to go kind of along this journey of walking into your God dream or fulfilling this God dream in your life, whether it's a week from now that you want to see it happen, a year from now, a season in your life, whatever. You're going to go through this kind of journey of seeing it, and you're going to get tested. It happens. It's going to happen. So we looked at Joseph's life. We've been looking at Joseph's life and how uh, last week he got tested, and we talked about how uh, the, the test of, like, perseverance, or the test of how sometimes you're going to face resistance, you're going to face uh, rejection along the way to your God dream, you're going to face a no, like, but what do you do when someone tells you no, or what do you do when you hit a wall, or you hit a no on the way to your God dream, do you just give up, or what do you do, and we talked last week, and we said that there's a purpose in your no, you got to know that there's a purpose in the no. And so that's kind of where we were at last week. And um, so this week, I want to jump in and pick up in Joseph's story and read a good bit of the next portion of Joseph's story so you know what happens. Uh, if you're new to church, Joseph is a pretty cool guy. Uh, his story happens in the first book of the Bible, in a book called Genesis, and um, It's a really interesting story. I'd encourage you to pick it up. It starts in Genesis chapter 37. But we're going to pick up in Genesis 39, and we're going to read a good portion of Scripture. In fact, we're going to read the entire chapter tonight. Can we read the Bible in church? Is that okay? Then we're going to read it tonight starting in verse 1 of chapter 39. And here's how we're going to do it. I'm just going to kind of along the way of reading this Story. I'm just going to pick out a few things and we'll stop along the way and talk about it. Is that cool? Great. That's what's going to happen, even if it's not cool. So just to give you kind of where we left off. Where we left off is Joseph gets sold to uh, the Midianites by his own brothers. So his brothers betray him. Uh, He ends up in a dried up well in a pit, really left to die. And uh, then they say, you know what, let's not do this. Let's actually sell him to these travelers, and they'll take him away, and he'll become a slave. And so they do that. They sell him to the Midianites. And then chapter 38, some other random things happen. And so we're going to pick up in uh, 39. Are you ready? All right, let's go. Verse 1 says this. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. So that he what? And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his entire household, and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. I just want to stop right there after four verses and just point out to you something I think is pretty cool. Joseph uh, is not in professional ministry. He's not a pastor. He's not a missionary. He's not doing like a job that is necessarily like Christian work. And yet God sees fit to bless everything that he does while he is really a slave. And because of that, the people above him saw him, saw how he worked, saw how he did things, saw that it was done with excellence, and how he worked stood out from everyone else. And they had favor on him. And everything that he did prospered and he had success. Now, this just stood out to me. I think it's really cool because what this means to me is that it doesn't matter what you do in life. You don't have to be like me up here to talk and, talking to people. You don't have to be in full-time church ministry. It doesn't matter if you're doing a job that you don't enjoy. It doesn't matter if you're doing uh, something that you're just doing for a few months to get by. It doesn't matter what you're doing that God could actually bless what you're doing. If you will surrender it to him and say, God, here's what I'm doing, and you'll commit it to him, he can bless what you're doing and actually like, push it more forward than you could push with it. And the people above you can see it. They can have favor on you. Things could come forth. Things could happen just by you doing excellent work. I think there's something in this to say, hey, wherever you are in life, whatever job you're doing in life, if you commit it to God and work at it as if you are working to God, then some cool things could happen. Like God could use it to influence the people around you, He could use it to influence the people above you, and He can use it to push you into places that you could not push yourself into. So I think it's a big mistake when we take A small job or we take a small responsibility and we just say well this is just you know what I have to do for right now and just in the meantime. I want you to know tonight that in the meantime could actually become something really really useful by God and you never know what God could do through it. Can we keep reading? So let's pick up in verse 5. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. One verse later, I need to stop and talk again. (laughs) It's going to be a long night, guys. Get ready. We got another like two hours here. Um, I'm kidding. I find it very interesting. Potiphar does not serve the same God that Joseph served. Potiphar is not a believer. He's not a Christian. He's not worshiping the same God that Joseph worships. And yet, the story tells us that Potiphar's life actually benefits from the blessing of Joseph. Like, God chooses to bless Joseph. And it doesn't just bless Joseph, it leaks off of Joseph and spreads to the people around him. And the people around him actually get the blessing because it was on Joseph. I don't know if you're getting this like I got it, but to me, this has monumental like, effects in your life. This says a whole lot to me because God can actually bless you God can put his blessing on you and the people around you can get affected by it. How many of you are down to just benefit off of someone else's blessing? I am. Come on, raise your hand. Like, I'll take that. Uh, Yeah, God wants to have favor on you and bless you. Then um, sign me up. I'll just be around you and maybe I can get some of that. I want that. Don't you want that? It's interesting to me. I think it says something about What could happen in your life? I think it says something about what should happen in your life. I think it says something about how, like, when you show up to work or when you show up to do whatever you got to do, the people around you just go, you know what? It's weird, but ever since we hired that Christian girl, like, things just started getting better around here. Things, like, good things just started happening ever since we hired that person. Like, there's just more, like, joy in the office. There's, there's more of a desire for excellence. There's, there's just more, like, better things are happening since we hired that person. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. That's because the blessing is on me. You guys can have some of it. Go for it. I'll let you have it. It's free. Don't worry about it. That's what should happen. Like like the goodness of God, the presence of God, you carry it so carefully and you walk wherever you go with it that as you walk with it, as you walk with the presence of God, as you walk with the blessing on your life, that it begins to just leak onto other people and other people's lives start to get better because of it. I, Potiphar, listen, a guy that didn't even worship God started seeing good things happen around him because Joseph was there because Joseph was there. This is our testimony. This is our testimony. It's weird. Ever since we hired him or her, things just got better. Ever since I started hanging out with that Christian person, relationships just got better in my life. Work ethic got better in my life. Stuff at home just got better. Ever since I just got around that person, things got better. Doesn't that seem backwards? If you walk into a scenario or you walk into a job or you walk in a home or whatever and things just get worse? Isn't that, I think that's backwards that as believers, as followers of Jesus, as carriers of the presence of God, we walk into places and things get worse? I'm not saying you have complete control over like profit margins and businesses and all that kind of stuff and, and all that, but but I think Things at least ought to get kind of better, like relationships get better. Things just start getting better because you walked in. Food inspection scores get better at McDonald's. Gosh, we need that. Unless you work at Crystal's, there ain't no hope for that place. (laughs) Nothing's getting better at Crystal's. But I think this also speaks to the importance of you getting yourself around the right people speaks to the importance of you getting around Christian people who are walking with God, who have God's blessing on their life, who have God's favor on their life. The writer of Hebrews says this, do not neglect gathering together, talking to believers. Do not neglect gathering together. In other words, go to church, gather together. The church is a beautiful thing. Think about this tonight. You're in a room of people that in their own walk, in their own journey, they're experiencing God in different ways. They have the blessing of God on their life in different ways. They have the favor of God on their life. And if this is true, what happened with Potiphar because he got around Joseph, then I think it could be true about us that we get around people and that's happening. Then I could benefit off that. I want to be around you. I want to be around people where things are happening. Don't you? Man, it matters. And I understand I understand that, like you know, uh, you got to be careful about who you're around. You you want to you want to make sure that you are around people who you don't want to be just around Christians. How can light shine if it's not in darkness? I understand, but man, there's something about being around believers because you get a little bit of the portion of the blessing. Can we keep reading? Verse six. You ready? So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. All right, Joseph. Good for you, buddy. He was well built and handsome. And after a while, now this is where the story gets like, it turns into a movie, I think. It's really cool. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. I don't know if she whispered it, but it seems a little weird if she yelled it. It's like, uh, no, thank you. Um, but she said, come to bed with me. But he refused. And he says this, with me in charge, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? So here's the main point that I want to make tonight. We've talked about how along the path uh, of on your way to your God dream, you're going to face some rejection, some resistance. You're going to face a no. What do you do with that? But tonight, I want to talk about for the remainder of the time, on your way there, you're going to face some temptation. Joseph did. You're going to face some temptation. And if you're going to reach your God dream, you're going to have to fight through some temptation. Listen to me, the enemy knows that God's dream for your life carries supernatural power to bring about God's plans on this earth. And because of that, he will throw at you everything he can to keep you from accomplishing that dream. The dream that he's given you carries supernatural power. And because of that, the enemy will throw everything he can at you To try and keep you from accomplishing it, including some rejection, including some resistance, including some temptation. And if I were to guess, the biggest thing that takes us out is temptation. Along the way, just little temptation creeps in and it ends up distracting us and taking us off the path to the God dream. And so I want to challenge you and encourage you tonight to keep your eyes open and to stay awake, stay woke. (laughs) I can't believe I just said that. (laughs) And look out for the temptation. So if you're taking notes, number one, write this down. You got to do this. Do what Joseph did. Remember your blessing so you're reminded of the cost. Remember your blessings so that you're reminded of the cost. Notice what he does. Let me read it again in verse eight. But he refused. And then he begins to just say this. He says, with me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, everything he owns. He is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. He remembers the blessing on his life. He remembers what God has given him. He remembers all the things that God has entrusted to him. And because of that, He realizes and he's reminded of the cost, what it would cost him if he falls into it. And then he said, Because of all of that, because of what God has done, how could I? How could I do such a wicked thing? How could I sin against God? God's given me a dream, God's given me a purpose. God's given me influence. God's given me responsibilities. God's made me into a man, a woman of God. God has done all this for me. Therefore, how could I do such a wicked thing? How could I sin against God? No way. Look at what he's done for me. Look at where he has me. Look at what he look at what He brought me through from the pit to the palace. Look at where I'm at. How? How could I do this? I remember his blessings. I remember his plans. I remember all that he's done, all that he's entrusted to me, all of the influence he's given me. And because of that, how then could I do such a wicked thing? I'm not sure what kind of temptation the enemy is going to throw at you. It may be like Joseph. But I know this, you're going to have to remember the blessing so that you're reminded of the cost. This is Joseph's story. I don't know if it'll be the same as yours. I don't know if it'll be the temptation of sexual sin. I don't know if it'll be the temptation of alcohol or drug abuse. I don't know if it'll be the temptation of anger and pride and selfishness or the temptation of food, gluttony. I don't know if it'll be the temptation of cheating, taking shortcuts in life. I don't know what kind of temptation the enemy's gonna throw at you to try and get you off of your God drink, but I know he's gonna try says that he's out to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And he will throw anything at you to keep you from accomplishing the dream that God wants for you. So remember your blessing so that you can be reminded of the cost. The second thing that I just noticed in that one portion that we read is this. You gotta know the word. You gotta know the word if you're gonna fight temptations in your life, whatever it is. Psalm 119.9 says this, how can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? And here's what I wanna challenge you to. I'm not here to like guilt you into reading your Bible more. I have been to multiple, many church services When I was uh, growing up, growing up, I'm still growing up, when I was in, you know, high school and and older into college, and I felt like the preacher guy, like his main purpose was to make me feel bad that I didn't read my Bible that morning, you know. And so I'm not here to guilt you into that. But what I am here to tell you is that if you will soak in the word, if you will know, listen, you cannot, you cannot, uh, like, live according to the word if you don't know the word. How are you going to live according to the word if you don't know the word? And I don't mean just in your brain. I mean in your heart. I mean like, like completely consumed with this thing. Like you know this thing. You're in this thing. Not know every single word of it and be able to quote every single word. No, but, but you, you submerse yourself in this thing. Because when a temptation comes, you got to be able to fight it. And I'm all for, like, techniques. I'm all for a bunch of things to fight temptation. But I really believe the most powerful thing is the living, breathing word of God itself. you got to know this. If you look in the Gospels, there's a story of uh, Jesus right before he kind of goes into his full-time ministry. He goes into the wilderness, and he goes on a 40-day liquid fast. 40-day fast, right? No food just out there grinding in the wilderness. 40 days. And in this 40 days, what happens? Jesus, by the way, has a God dream. That's kind of cool. Jesus has a God dream that one day he would hang on a cross and die and then be resurrected to conquer the sins of the whole world. That he would take it on himself so that you could have life. That was his God dream. That was the one day this is going to happen, and that's my purpose here on this earth is to do that. And so in the wilderness, he gets tempted, just like you do. He gets tempted by the enemy. Satan himself shows up to Jesus, and what does he say? He tempts him with all this stuff. He says, you don't have to do this. You can, here, here's a piece of bread, all these things. He tempts him, and what does Jesus say all three times? He says, as it is written, and then he quotes Scripture. That's his response to the enemy every single time. As it is written, and he quotes scripture. As it is written, quotes scripture. Listen, if this was good enough for Jesus, I think it's good enough for me and you. Amen? So know the word. Get in it. Consume yourself in this thing because it is your most powerful weapon. You cannot fight supernatural battles with earthly weapons and the temptations that are thrown at you come on let's be real it's going to require something supernatural and there are supernatural battles a battle to get you away from your God dream a battle to get you away from the purpose that God has for your life you can't fight it with earthly weapons you got to have a supernatural weapon anybody love scary movies good for you guys I am uh, scared to death of scary movies. I won't watch them. If you invite me to one, you're going to get denied so hard. (laughs) Especially ones that have, like, scary creatures or dead people that come back and do things. What in the world? What? Zombies? I actually like some zombies, but um, (laughs) I don't do scary movies. But what I do do, I do uh, some... I think they call them thrillers, like thriller movies. I like thriller movies. Uh, they're a step down. Therefore, if you, if you don't have quite as much uh, courage, if you're a little bit more of a girl, you, you, you do thrillers. I do thrillers, not scary movies. Um, so I do thrillers. Like this one, one of my favorites, but I, it's a favorite of mine, but I can't remember the name of it. I was just thinking of it right before. It, I think it came out like 10 years ago or something, and it was about a girl who she's, like, house-sitting for a really rich family out in the woods somewhere. It's a high school girl. And then, like, the whole night, this dude is trying to break into the house. And uh, if, you, if you can think of what it is, come tell me because I want to find it. Because I saw this movie, and I was like, that was good because you know why? That's real life. Anybody ever stayed at home by yourself, and you thought somebody's watching me through this window, and I need to hide behind something, or I need to call somebody, I need to get on the phone with somebody, that's real life right there. So I enjoy some of those kind of movies because I can relate to that. Because uh, I can relate to that. So imagine you're in this situation where you're at home house-sitting for somebody or whatever, you're home by yourself, and your worst nightmare begins to happen, someone begins to like break in, or something like that. You don't have you know, ADT security systems or, or whatever. I'm trying to get a smart home security system. If anybody has the hookup on that, let me know. Um, but you don't have any, any of that, so you're scared to death. Imagine this, but imagine that you have a gun. You have some protection. I realize it's 2018, so it's a little sketchy to talk about this from stage. But imagine that you do have a gun. You have a gun, and it's your protection. Now, if someone's going to break in and they're out to get you, uh, you're going to go to that gun for your protection, right? Well, imagine this. You get it, but you've never been to a shooting range. You've never fired the thing. You have no idea how to load it, or even if you load it, you don't know how to take the safety off. And so this gun becomes unusable, like worthless. This thing is worthless. You have no idea how to use it. I wanted to encourage somebody tonight, maybe even challenge somebody tonight, to take the safety off your Bible. Take the safety off your Bible because it is a weapon. See, you didn't know. You didn't know how I was going to turn it around. You didn't didn't know. (laughs) Y'all crazy. Listen. Take the safety off your Bible. It is your most powerful weapon. But if you don't know it, if you don't know how to use it, then it's just worthless. You gotta know it, get in it, consume yourself with it. Know how to fight the devil back when he throws stuff at you. This is your most powerful weapon. So take the safety off. Let's keep reading in uh, verse 10, I think we are. It says this, and though she spoke to Joseph, Day after day, this lady, man. Phew. Y'all fellas, you feel sorry for this guy, don't you? This lady.
1: <laughs>
0: and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. And then I underlined this part in my Bible, or even be with her. Refuse to go to bed with her or even be with her. Joseph was a man who lived above reproach. I don't even want anything to do with her. Don't want to get near her. Don't want to go to coffee with her. Don't want a front hug, side hug, anything. I don't want anything to do with this woman. Nothing. Verse 11 keep reading in this movie. (laughs) One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. She's demanding. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran. Somebody say he ran." ran. And ran out of the house. I love that the Bible includes this In the story, because I think sometimes we expect God to give us some like supernatural courage to fight temptation, which I believe that he does. But I believe oftentimes he would also like for us to use some practical wisdom to fight some temptation. So supernatural courage is great, but some practical wisdom is also great. Amen. Joseph ran. Some of you need to run. And like I said, I realize the light doesn't shine anywhere except the dark, and so you need to go into dark places. You need to be around people who don't think like you, who don't act like you, or don't necessarily behave how you think they should behave. But you got to know that there comes a time when you need to run. You need to run. Can we just be real tonight? Is that okay? If you have an alcohol or drug abuse problem, the worst place for you to hang out is at a bar. Like, run. Run really far. If you, if you and your boyfriend keep crossing boundaries that you've set every time that you go into the basement to watch a movie, then uh, maybe you shouldn't watch a movie in the basement. Run. Run. Don't go anywhere near it. Like, it's so weird because I know even in my own life, it's like, oh, yeah, of course, that seems so easy. Yeah, you're right. But yet it's so hard. I think we oftentimes ask, how close can I get to the line? And the better question is actually, how far can I get from the line? Like, how far away can I get from that thing that's going to pull me away from the God dream that is on my life? Run. It's not worth it. I think about all the people who have had a God dream on their life to do something phenomenal, to fulfill a purpose, to do some great things. I think about, I think about politicians or, or professional athletes. I think about even pastors who have an incredible God dream and God wants to use them for some great things. And yet along the journey to get to that point, or maybe in the middle of doing that, they get tempted with something and they end up falling. And what does it do? It removes them and it keeps them from accomplishing that thing that God has called them to. I remember a couple years ago, uh, when I was at the church before I came here in Tennessee um, there was kind of a big, like, story that came out of a pastor of a leader of a church here in the country who uh, was a good-sized church, a great church, and it came out that the uh, leader of the church was uh, having an affair, and so eventually it came to surface. Eventually, people found out, and because of that, he was asked to step down, or he was, you know, fired from that position, which he should have been, and uh, because of that, the church just kind of dwindled, and it was going great, but just, you know, that, that got under everything, and things began to happen, and it just, the church began to lose influence, and it began to lose, like, the momentum that God was giving it, and the life change that was happening because of it all just went away, and I remember I was, you know, working at a church, so I was around some other pastors, and we were talking, and uh, it just kind of came out. Most of us were like, man, what an idiot." <laughs> What an idiot, that guy. And I remember one of the, the pastors didn't really chime in until finally he said, you know what? That could be me. He said, that very well could be me. And it took us all kind of back. We were like, what do you mean? He said, I don't think any of us are above that. I think the way that temptation works, I've been around it long enough. I've seen people fall to it too many times. I've seen how it takes effect in my life. He said, I think the way that it works is it's just really small and it doesn't seem that big of a deal until eventually it does and it can happen to anybody. And so I think my best posture is just to go, that could be me. So I better stay on the lookout and I better run from everything that may pull me away from it because it could be me. And I remember I walked away that day with a whole different mindset of people who fall into temptation because you know what? It could be me and it could be you. And by the way, this is why you don't put your hope in churches. You don't put your hope in pastors. You put your hope in Jesus because Churches fail you and people fail you, but Jesus never fails you. Put your hope in Jesus. He's the living hope. Let's keep reading. Oh, I said this in my notes, and I want you to hear it. Sin always happens at the intersection of desire and opportunity. Sin always happens at the intersection of desire and opportunity. So if your desire is still there for whatever that thing that's tempting you, if that's still there, then you better remove the opportunity. Does that make sense? If you haven't quite gotten the fortitude to resist that desire, then the best thing you can do is remove the opportunity. If you can't resist the urge to look at porn, then don't take your phone into your bed at night if that's where you look at it. You got to run. How are you going to defeat the enemy if you're going to bed with the enemy? You got to run. I was thinking about uh, a boxer. Any of you guys watch boxing or girls who watch boxing? I know UFC is like the cool thing. I don't think so. Boxing's cooler. But I think about what a, a good boxer does is a boxer understands when he hits you in a spot that makes you weak, like if he catches a rib and it bruises you or it breaks a rib, he knows that you're weak right there. And he will attack that rib over and over and over again because that's your weak spot. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do to you. He finds out where you're weak and he just attacks you over and over and over again at the same place. So remove the opportunity for him to get to you. Let's keep reading in verse 13. It says, when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants, Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. This is a bad woman. Verse 16. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. When she told him this story, "'That Hebrew slave you brought us "'came to me to make sport of me. "'But as soon as I screamed for help, "'he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. "'And when his master heard the story, "'his wife told him, saying, "'This is how your slave treated me, "'he burned with anger. "'Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, "'the place where the king's prisoners were confined.'" This is what drives me crazy about this story, if we're just gonna be honest. Joseph does the right thing and ends up in a bad place. Does that not drive you crazy? That Joseph did the right thing and he gets punished? I mean, don't we all want the good person, the righteous person, the right person to rise and ends up like good things happen? Joseph does the right thing and ends up getting put back in prison. What do you do when everyone around you is cheating the system and they all end up getting the job that you want anyways? You ever been a part of that? What do you do when when you decide, you know what, I'm gonna try to do relationships right. I'm gonna try to, to stay pure and wait for marriage. I'm gonna try that. And so you're going for it, and all your friends are not, and they end up getting married before you. (laughs) Doesn't that frustrate you? What do you do when you do the right thing, and yet it looks like you have to pay the price? Can I encourage you tonight? I don't know that this solves it all for you, but I just wanted to share this with you. Short-term pain usually leads to long-term gain. Just write that down, and and I know that that doesn't like solve the the pain that you're in right now, or it's not like immediate, just, oh, okay. But let me just encourage you, short-term pain usually leads to long-term gain. Sometimes when you obey God, he leads you to places that you don't wanna go. Sometimes following a God dream will actually feel like a nightmare. But when you stay committed to him and you stay committed to doing the things how he would have you to do them, I promise you that his favor will rest on you and the long-term reward will be well worth it. And I don't know when you'll see the long-term reward. I can't guarantee that you'll see it here in this life even. But I really believe that one day you'll get to heaven And he will say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant, for doing things how I called you to do them. Well done. And I really believe that the eternal satisfaction will be greater than the immediate gratification when you do the right thing. And I know that sounds like a parent. Hey, make sure you do the right thing. But I'm telling you, this is real life. And sometimes you feel like you go through life and you're doing the right thing and yet it doesn't work out for you. And let me just finish reading. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. Verse 21, let's finish out the story here. It says this, but while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Isn't this crazy? Everywhere Joseph goes, he has favor. Granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So even in the prison, he has favor. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Let me just encourage you again tonight that the enemy can do a lot of things to change the circumstances around you. He can throw some things at you. He can throw some pain at you. He can put you in places that you don't want to go. But I'm telling you, the one thing that he cannot change is who lives in you. He cannot change who lives in you. And when you know who lives in you is the creator of the universe, the one who holds all things together, the one who spoke a word and literally galaxies were formed, the one who could speak a word and all of your circumstances can be changed, the one who can take you from the pit to a prison and to a palace, that one, when he lives in you, the enemy never has the final word never has the final word. And even though you may feel like you're in the prison right now, I promise you he never has the final word because who lives in you is greater than he who is in the world. And there's victory because of the one who lives in you. So hold on tight, hold on tight. You may be in the prison right now You may be paying the price right now for doing the right thing, but I'm telling you, hold on tight because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And you have no idea what God's getting ready to do. And we're going to wrap up the story next week with the end of Joseph's story and what happens to him. But here's what I believe tonight. Temptation comes at all of us in different forms. Like I said, I don't know what it is for you. I don't know if it's what it was for Joseph, if it was sexual temptation, or I don't know if it's uh, the temptation to just give in to pride and anger, or the temptation of drug and alcohol abuse, or, or the temptation of whatever. I don't know what the temptation is for you, but it comes at all of us. And I just wanted to, in some ways, just put like an extra umph in your step tonight. An extra, just encourage you. An extra, just come on. Don't take the bait. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for Potiphar's wife. Even though it seems good right now, it'll take you off of your God dream. It'll pull you away. And I'm telling you, the enemy wants nothing more than to pull you away from the purposes that God has for your life. And what a shame it would be if we just chose not to fight and we ended up not seeing the dream that God has for us because we chose not to fight temptation. So I'd love just to pray over you. If you bow your heads and close your eyes and I'd love just the honor of praying over you tonight. So Lord, even in this room tonight, there are things that are coming at us. There are temptations awaiting us as we walk out that door for some people in here. God, would you help us remember the blessings on our life? Remember and recall the things that You've brought to us in the past, remember and recall the things that you've spoken to us remember and recall the things that you have purpose for us in our future and God may that be just enough to say i don't I don't want to give that up I can't give that up just for temporary right now gratification it's not worth it Lord may your purposes may your eternal purposes be worth more to us. And so I pray for spe- specifically for the person in this room who feels overcome by temptation, who feels overcome by a certain thing that has a grip on them. Lord, I pray that you would break chains in the life of that person. Literally, I pray that supernatural power would come over them and break the chains of addiction, break the chains of self-destruction, break the chains of depression though we ask for your power by the cross and the resurrection to do that in the lives of people tonight that we would see supernatural breakthrough happen and that we would see people set free from that and into a life with you a life of freedom and a life that is more than anything we could ever think or imagine So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give victory. Would you give it tonight? And Lord, I do pray that you would set us so ablaze for you, so on fire for you, such a passion for you that we've never had. Lord, that our eyes would be fixed on you in such a way that they have never been, that the things of this earth would grow strangely dim that they would not even be pretty to us and that we would recognize their destruction. And Lord, may we hunger and thirst for you more than anything else. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. our prayer tonight. Lord, that you would stir a passion in us. That it would overflow. Lord, we don't just want to be filled up. We want to overflow. So would you stir it in us. Father, we pray in Jesus' name.